Will you pray with me? Holy One, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. If you have ever wondered what Jesus came to do, this is it. He was anointed to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives, to recover sight to folks who were blind, to set the oppressed free, and to remind folks of God's prophetic vision and his dream for the world. One born out of love, creativity, and blessing. This was Jesus's inaugural address moment. The moment when he presented his mission statement, where he cast his strategic plan for being God with the people. And this would set the course for his ministry going forward. And if you follow along his life's narrative, we see that he spent his time doing just that. Healing, teaching, about God's ways and dreams for the world, freeing people from societal norms and expectations that kept people in bondage, even breaking with his own uh, tradition at times for the sake of the people in front of him. Oh my. And this was good news. While it didn't really feel like good news for everyone, because there were also folks who benefited from having an underclass to rule over from keeping some folks in poverty so that they could gain more for themselves and dehumanizing and ostracizing those who didn't abide by the rules, religious and socially, so that the righteous ones could boast of their superiority and keep people under their control. So this ministry of challenge and freedom probably didn't feel good to some folks, but it was good news for most. But everything that Jesus lived for was grounded in love, and it freed folks from the things that held them down. No wonder the response from folks was either absolute magnetism or repulsion. However, this scene of Jesus showing up at the local synagogue and proclaiming his purpose was not something that he made up from scratch. You see, when the text says that he unrolled the scroll and read his mission statement to the ground, the crowd, he was actually reading ancient scripture of his people. Isaiah 61, 1 through 2 to be exact, and that reads, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has appointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and release to the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. Jesus' inaugural address was maybe the shortest uh, that there ever was because he basically stood up, he read the scripture, he sat back down, he paused, you know, those pregnant pauses, and then he basically stands up and says, yeah, that's me. This dream of God for the world was that was given to Jesus was also given to Isaiah generations before him. And this same dream given to Isaiah 
was also given to Jacob generations before Isaiah and also to Jacob's father, Isaac, and to Isaac's father, Abraham. And it was the dream that inspired God's very act of creation entirely. God's dream of creating a beautiful world inhabited by creatures, animals, big and small, and humans to be co-creators, co-caretakers with God. God's dream from the beginning was to bless the world through covenantal love. And while our human story shows that we tend to mess things up over and over again, God's dream for a world of love and freedom and collaboration and mutuality is one that God never gives up on. So as many of you know, this weekend is, the, is MLK weekend. And on this weekend, I'm reminded that even after Jesus fulfilled this, his, this very dream in so many different ways, God continued and continues still to instill this dream in generations of absolutely imperfect but faithful people. Extending the invitation to co-create a world filled with beauty, peace, love, sustainability, and cooperation. Even and especially when it seems nearly impossible. Because dreaming is much like the practice of hoping, right? That's something we do when the substance of those dreams yet to exist. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. gave his most well-known speech, I Have a Dream, at the March on Washington in 1963, which I believe my friend Richard was right in front row, in the midst of the civil rights movement. And this speech is a perfect example of this whole idea. The dreams that he shared that day were hopes for a future that he was continuing to work and fight for, but that felt out of reach at the time. He dreamed of the actual fulfillment of the American dream, one that was equally accessible to all races of people and not just the white man. He dreamed that former slaves and former slave owners could sit down together in peace and see each other's each other as brothers. He dreamed that his children, his black children, wouldn't be judged by the color of their skin, even if they were now, but that they and all children would be judged by their character. He dreamed that little black boys and little black girls could hold hands with little white boys and little white girls in a time where those very same boys and girls had to use different drinking fountains that had to uh, go to different schools that had to um, exist apart from one another. And he dreamed that we, all of us, would figure out how to work together for the common good. These dreams fueled the work of his life and inspired him to keep pressing on until it came to fruition, which he continued to do until he was killed in 1968. But when he died, the dreams did not die. Because they weren't only instilled in one man. Martin Luther King Jr. might have been one of the mouthpieces of the movement, but a dream is much bigger 
than merely its mouthpiece. That's why we continue to celebrate his legacy today and why we continue to work for a society of equality in every form, including access, opportunity, and representation. For the next several weeks, we are loosely working with a worship, with a worship series from Worship Design Studio called Drawn In, hence why we have this altar filled with um, art, with art, with tools for art, with, with things that we can create with. The series is called Drawn In, and it's a, a series inspired by a book called Drawn In, a creative process for artists, activists, and Jesus followers. It's written by Reverend Troy Bronsink. And in his book, Reverend Bronsink gives God the name Imagineer. I love that. Stating that God is like an engineer with the world's greatest imagination. According to the author, the word imagineering was popularized by Walt Disney to describe the artists, the engineers, and designers to work to bring environments to life in Disney motion pictures and theme parks. And it was first used by engineers and aluminum workers during World War II to describe, quote, the fine art of deciding where we go from here. I love that. The fine art of deciding where we go from here. The capacity to see where we are and creating and crafting a way forward. God is certainly an imagineer and has been continually inviting us to be Imagineers too. Our faith community, Open Table UCC, exists as a result of Imagineers dreaming about what is possible. We have always begun and continue to begin our process of prayerfully discerning where God is calling us, envisioning what that might look like with something we call dream storming which is like brainstorming, but intentionally refraining from thinking about the problems that we need to overcome or even strategizing about the how. Those things are very important and, we, and will be a very important part of the process of actually bringing the future to fruition. But we believe that all creative work starts with dreaming. So that's where we begin intentionally creating space to dream about things we could do as if we could not fail. We have found that this can actually be a hard task. <laughs> Especially since our, this, this faith community is filled with problem solvers, activists, and people who are amazing at designing and executing a plan. Keila. <clears throat> So it is absolutely tempting to move into the details, right? And the strategizing. But the fruit that comes out of those dreamstorming sessions are imaginative because we allow them to be. They're playful. They're full of wonder and curiosity. And while not everything that we dream actually comes to fruition, the dreams that do surface are incredible and they often lead us to the path. 
Last week, Zach invited us to think about what gifts we each have to offer the church and the world. And he encouraged us to think not only about the obvious ones, but to dig a little deeper and identify those things that are unique to each of us that we might not automatically assume would be helpful, but are clearly a benefit to all of us. The gifts in this group are wide and they are varied and such a blessing to the church. So this week, I want to invite you to do some dream storming. I know God has given this group dreams, dreams that one day may come to fruition and others that might not. But sharing these dreams with one another helps us open up to the possibility. And it plants seeds for an unknown but hoped for future. Reverend Bronsing states that God's dreams love the future into existence. And it's the same with us as people who bear God's image, co-creators. So what are your dreams? Earlier, Zach asked you to think about your dreams, to write them down, and then add them to the great cloud. Others might have risen for you after you wrote that one down. So I wanna give us some time now to share. What has risen up for you? If you knew you could not fail, what dreams do you have right now? for Open Table UCC, for the wider Pottstown community, for the world. No dream is too big or small, too outlandish or too unrealistic. And we want to create space for you to share those. If you knew you couldn't fail, what dreams do you have right now?